This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. I was trying to get an idea. I want them dead presidents. I want to pull up. Head spin. Get it, get flat. I got six jobs. I don't get it. not tired yet on episode number 19 of two bad hombres i'm your host Vito jerome Churko, alongside the doc from doc and jock that is john charles macaroon and we have an in-studio guest in mr chris smith of the detroit sports commission the director of the detroit sports commission that's right and we don't get tired we never get tired i know you don't either traveling traveling and all that and doc never really travels though but he does get tired he works a lot he's a psychologist here this is his office and the studio for the podcast network I'm looking forward to the conversation. Like I tell Vito, make this place like your own. I love the conversations that we get a chance to have, and I'm looking forward to getting some information and learning about the Detroit Sports Commission. We have so much to talk about. I mean, the Prep Kickoff Classic, all the big NCAA championship events awarded recently to the city of Detroit, which the Detroit Sports Commission has a hand in helping out with as well as, I mean, you know, and now I want to make it, well, known to everybody else listening here. But first and foremost, before we dive into all those major topics, your job now as director of the Detroit Sports Commission. What does that specifically entail? That means I run the daily operations of the Sports Commission. Uh, it's my job to to make sure that we're doing the sales, bringing the events into the community, to make sure that we're marketing those events and make sure we're servicing those events. Making sure that when the athletes come to town, the attendees come to town, everybody's leaving here feeling good about Detroit, and not just the city of Detroit, but the region. We have all three counties, Macomb, Oakland, and Wayne County. We want people going away from here understanding how great of a community we have and making sure they want to come back either on their own time, leisurely, or making sure they're bringing another event back with them. Essentially, that's what I do. Got to make them have a good time, and that can be time-consuming, I bet, at times as well for you and your staff. Very time-consuming. I mean, we're, we're entering into a phase right now where we have uh, USA Taekwondo, their national championships coming in at the end of June. If you, if you want to see some great martial arts, come on down. Largest Taekwondo competition in the world. It's going to be in Detroit at the end of June, June 26th through July 4th. So make sure you come on down to Cobo Center and check that out. We go from that right into the AU Junior Olympics when we've got 14,000 athletes coming to town, spread out all over the area between Ypsilanti and Novi out at Suburban Showplace. Then we also have the Prep Kickoff Classic, as you mentioned earlier, all going on this summer, along with hockey tournaments, basketball tournaments, softball tournaments, bowling tournaments, baseball, archery, fencing. There's so many things that we service and that we have here in our community. So for us, and the song said it perfectly, even though we may get physically tired, our spirits are renewed every day because we get to go out and do some things um, I, for the benefit of this community. Now, are you from Detroit? I am not from Detroit, but I might as well say I am. I am completely in love with this community. Where were you born and raised? Born and raised on the south side of Chicago. That's okay. We'll allow you still to stay in the studio. It's all good. <laughs> we'll let it slide here on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, joined by Chris Smith of the Detroit Sports Commission. And Chris, now the NCAA just recently awarded seven future championship events uh, to the city of Detroit. Some big ones, too, including the 2020 uh, Division One Men's Ice Hockey Frozen Four, the 2021 Division One Men's Basketball First and Second Rounds, yep. uh, the 2022 Division One Men's College uh, Wrestling Championships, yeah. some big-time events. And I wanted to ask you, and I want to figure out myself here, how much work truly goes into getting awarded those championship events? I'll I, I tell you this, Vito. I, I think when you talk about those three events in particular, those are the big ones. 
but you also have to talk about the fencing national championship coming to town. You also have to talk about the Division II men's golf championship coming to town, Division II women's golf championship coming to town, and even the bowling championships coming to town because that's when you really get a good understanding of what's going on here. We bid on 15 different sports. You know, you hear about this number, 54 different bids that we put in uh, to the NCAA for this bid cycle that we, that we would just awarded out of. And I, I, I temper expectations out of that because you have to be realistic about it. All right. There are 54 bids that went in, 15 different sports. Obviously, some of them, it was a four-year bid cycle. So you have to divide the, the 54 by four um, or by the number of sports and then start subtracting out which ones you went after one year, two year. But I, I will tell you that it is a terrific effort to put all that together. You're submitting all of these at one time through a, through a web-based portal for the NCAA. We worked with Oakland University, University of Detroit Mercy, Wayne State University, Adrian College. We worked with University of Michigan and Michigan State University in this effort. You know, to coordinate all those athletic departments, to coordinate all the different facilities, coordinate all the different marketing and all the different things that each individual sport is looking for. I, you know, to say it's a Herculean effort is, is not inaccurate. Um, and the team really was stretched um, to, to, to make sure that these bids were put in the way that we needed them put in to really tell our story for, the, for Detroit. And I like that you mentioned Detroit Mercy. Now, that's my alma mater. So I really care about Detroit Mercy. Well, inside the city of Detroit, Wayne State as well. Schools like that, the smaller schools, they don't get the pub yeah. that U of M yeah. gets. Uh, Michigan State gets where Doc went. He went to Michigan State. I was, with, not, I was with you today, but I was with Barbara Bowles yesterday. We had lunch together. Great Very guy. Very nice guy. Great guy. Very yeah. nice guy. Doing a lot of good, too, for that Visionary. school. Visionary. He's trying to do some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, growing up in the south side of Chicago, compared now to Detroit in the sports scene, how does Chicago and Detroit compare and what are the differences too? Because I know many people will say Detroit is the greatest sports town, but Chicago's got some stuff too. That's not fair, man. Why you put me on the spot like that? That's what we got to do here. <laughs> I can appreciate that. I, I think there are tremendous similarities between the two cities. I think when you look at the spirit of the people in the communities, that's, that's where the heart of the sports market really is. Obviously, the teams almost mirror each other in the fact that Unfortunately, they don't win a lot of championships, but they are competitive. And that the fan bases are, are truly exactly what the, the term fan comes from, fanatical. Um, the diehards. I mean, it's how you go 0-16 as a professional football team here in Detroit, and you're still packing the house. I mean, come on. Um, I was watching too, so that's okay. I, I think that this, there are a lot of similarities, but there are a number of differences. Who are your teams growing up? Cubs guy? Or I White am, Sox? I am not a Cubs. But they're from the South Side. Yeah, you got to be a White Sox fan. I am definitely a White Sox fan. All my teams growing up directly compete against the teams I work with now here in Detroit. Uh, so it's always an interesting scenario. And I like to tell people I am a Lions fan. Fourteen weeks a year, I support the, the all the teams until they play my teams. Then I sit in the, in the stands very quietly. Okay, we were just talking about draft day and you know your travels. All right, draft day NFL. Chicago Bears made a move, man. I know I'm making your head, uh, head shake a little bit, but what was the reaction from a diehard Bears fan when your team goes up in the draft to take Mitchell Trubisky? So, Come on, man. So thanks for making me relive this day, by the way. I, I was there. We were at the draft, um, went out with Brad Michaels from the Lions, over, working over at Ford Field. Um, Brad, I hope you're listening. How you doing? We went out there to take a look at the event to see if it's something we could potentially do here in Detroit. We're sitting there at the request of the NFL uh, when they start announcing the drafts. Beautiful, 
production there in Philadelphia. They really did a wonderful job. And pick number one comes out. We know what that resolution was. And then all of a sudden, and the Bears have made a trade. Okay. Who who in the world could you have stepped up to get when every all the commentators are saying, well, there are 80 players that are ready to go right now that can that can produce for a team right now. Okay, who was so great in this draft out of all the needs we have as Bears for the Bears that you needed to move up one spot for? And then they start announcing all the different draft picks and all the different things the Bears had to give up. So it wasn't just me as a Bears fan, but all the people out there, all you know, I hear numbers between sixty-five thousand and a hundred thousand people out there. You it was a collective. What? What? That being said, I don't do football every day. So I have to trust the folks that do football every day to understand what they're doing and to make the best move possible. So while I, as a fan, I can sit back and be critical. Really? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, nice drop. As, as, it was beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I really was like, really? Um, it was funny because I had friends texting me through the whole thing because they knew I was there and they were like, ooh. But quite honestly, let's sit back and see what's going on and what happens there. I was really excited about the Lions pick. Really excited. Linebacker depth and help was needed here in Detroit. And to pick up that player, oh, I'm excited. Let's get him. Yeah, and you know what? They needed defensive help. The Bears already had a starting quarterback, potentially, in Mike Lennon. Stop right? it. Stop I mean, it. God, Stop it right now. awful. Tough times for Stop you it. guys, you Bears fans out there. But, anyways, we're the Detroit Sports Podcast Network, and we care about the events in the city. And back to that discussion a little bit here. And now, Regarding the placing of bids and getting awarded events once again, you already kind of talked about it, but specifically lay out to my listeners and to I about what needs to be in place uh, specifically to place those bids and to be awarded events. Partnership. Uh, I talked a little bit about the universities that we worked with earlier. So you have to have those partnerships in place. You also have to have a plan in place. You have to take a look at the RFP, the request for proposal that the NCAA puts out, that each individual sport on each individual level, talking about Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and then they have national championships that are there regardless of your, your division, like fencing. It's the national championship for fencing, not a specific division. You have to take a look at each individual RFP that's produced by each committee. What is it that they're looking for? You have to not just read that, but then you've got to get to know the staff members at the NCAA to answer those questions for you. And if you're really good, you're going to find out who's on that committee. And you're going to go on those individual committees, and you're going to go out, and you're going to start to get to know those individuals. Now, we did spend a lot of time out in the, in the country, going across the country, getting to know some of those, uh, some of those committee members. Unfortunately, we were not successful in a good, good amount of our bids, but we're very, very pleased with what we were able to win. It, it, it really took a lot. And to understand what each individual group is looking for, uh, it takes a lot of experience. And it takes an understanding of knowing what your facilities have to offer, what your community is capable of. Um, even folks like you, the media, understanding what you want and what you guys can help us do because you're the mouthpiece for our community. So it, it really was a community effort to, um, to pull this in. And how long does it take to hear a, a response back, by the way, after these bids are placed? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great question. So we started this process. Um, all the RFPs came out at one time in February of 2016. And we submitted the bids in January, uh, not January, July of 2016. Now, we were supposed to get a response in December of 2016. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the, the bathroom laws that were placed in North Carolina, and they were being stripped of all the championships and all the NCAA events that they'd already been awarded. Um, what that did was it caused a domino effect. Well, because the NCAA pulled those events out, 
Now they had to place those somewhere. So that slowed the process down. So we went from December to April 18th, 2017. So you're talking about what, 14, 15 months later that we got a, a resolution and we found out where these events were going. So it could take a long time in this process. It's not unheard of though. It's a long process. Always. It seems like with any of these big time events and even small, smaller scale events because yeah. of just all the factors as you talked about already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are, you know, man, you could be talking about two tons of ice that you need for something. You could be talking about 2000 towels that you need for athletes to come in and do certain things. You've got to coordinate a lot of things and you really have to cater to what a rights holder, a national governing body out of the Olympic Committee, um, whoever that client may be, you really have to cater to what they need for their athletes and what they need to make sure that they're running a successful event. It's all about partnership. And you talked about having sufficient facilities, too, in place for these events, such as, well, the 2017 Prep Kickoff Classic in August, August 24th through 26th at Wayne State, you know, at Tom Mm -hmm. uh, Adams Field on the campus of Wayne State University. I think a beautiful campus, beautiful facility. I've been there before for last year's uh, Prep Kickoff Classic. Now, what's the process for picking those teams for the Prep Kickoff Classic? Oh, (laughs) that's our secret formula. I can't tell you that. (laughs) Um, Quite honestly, the event was created in order to give everybody an opportunity. Everybody across the region, opportunity to come out and play on a big stage, Friday night lights. And of course, we do Thursday, Friday and Saturday night lights. But it really is meant to be a showcase of talent, football talent specifically in our region. And we try to give everybody a chance. Now, that being said, we still have to cover some costs. So let's let's be honest about it. We are taking a look at teams that can that can sell some tickets and get there. But it's not like we're not making money on it. It really is an event that's there to showcase what our community has to offer as far as football talent is concerned. We turn that money around. We put it right back into the program. You know, it's all about the kids. It's all about the student athletes. It's a great event. As you said, as a matter of fact, I was standing next to you out there, Vito. It's it's a great event. I mean, you're talking about a packed house. The stadium holds five to 6,000 people. We're turning people away at the gates because it's packed. You've got the high school bands going. You've got the bright lights. Unfortunately, last year we had the rain pouring, but we still played. We got all those games in, um, and it was a great time for everybody. We are consistently ranked in the nation as one of the top 10 schedules, period, for talent and competition on that field. And we are very proud of that and even more so proud of the fact that we're able to to provide so many student athletes that opportunity to step out on that field, something they may never do again. And seven exciting matchups. Absolutely. You have two Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday, and Wald Lake Western uh, versus West Bloomfield in that first game. Then Saturday, well, actually before that, my alma mater's plan. De La Salle is in this event on Friday, so that's always a good thing. And Saturday, I mean, a bunch of great squads and uh, two PSL teams in East English, East English Detroit King, King yeah. playing Indianapolis Cathedral. Yep. And what does, it, what does it take to get a team like that from out of the state to, to uh, play in this kickoff event? You know, we, we owe a lot of credit to that one to King themselves. Um, the student, the, not the students, but the, the coach and staff reached out to Cathedral. And they were, they were having some conversations anyway. And they gave us a call and asked if it'd be okay to invite them to play in the event. So we issued that invitation. Um, and with that, we're going to have a phenomenal game between two state powers, an Indiana power and a Michigan power. Um, we are actually going down, or a member of the staff is going down, Marty Dobek, is going down to Indianapolis tomorrow to Cathedral High School to do some promotions. The, the school is really excited about this opportunity to come up here and play against King, um, as they should be. That's going to be a great game. 
And they asked if we could come down there and, and pretty much do a pep rally and get the students revved up and getting them going. I mean, it's great to see this excitement coming from these schools. And these students really get behind this. Uh, so we were happy to oblige, and he's going down there to get them going. Um, and we're, we're looking forward to seeing a tremendous crowd coming up from Indianapolis. But that's at the end of a wonderful day. I mean, you, you talked about the other PSL team involved, East English Village. So we're, we're, and they're, they're a stout team. So it's going to be a great day out there. By the way, I love Marty Dobek. I got to say that. Very helpful guy with me. Always nice to me. And when maybe I haven't been the nicest to him, I don't know. <laughs> I think nice enough to him. He's nice enough to me. He's I'll a, say he's that a, much. He's a, he's a great professional and a better friend. Yeah, very good guy. Now with the district downtown, obviously with the new Little Caesars Arena, what's going to be built surrounding the area, it's going to open up a whole new world of opportunity for several events like you've talked about to come down to Detroit Mm -hmm. and things like that. But prior to the new arena, was it really challenging to kind of, you know, talk about Detroit in a positive light or to kind of shed the, you know, perception of Detroit, because it just seems like every now and then when you talk about Detroit, people will still bring up the past. And I know this new district is going to highlight the positives of the downtown area. Do you feel like now it's going to be a little bit easier to sell the city of Detroit and what it has to offer? Because you got to remember, a lot of these events are also going to bring in people down there maybe for the first time in, in several years. You know, that's one of the most asked questions that I receive. And it's, 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 it's very interesting for, for several different reasons. Is it difficult or was it difficult before uh, the arena and the district before they were announced? And we talked about earlier about how Detroit has always been a wonderful sports community. I think that going through the bankruptcy and going through what some would consider a down period in Detroit, it was difficult. You had to go out and you had to be honest with people. But one thing we did as an office and one thing we have to do as a community is we own it. That's what you want to say about us. That's what we are. And we're going to own that. So you sit there and you want to say those things. But I'll tell you what, why don't you get on a plane and get here? And why don't you stop listening to what people are telling you and come and find out for yourself? Because the number one way I would combat that, whatever anybody was saying, have you ever been to Detroit? No. Okay, then what gives you the right to be able to say something? You've never been here. So I'll tell you what, here's a ticket. I challenge you to get on that plane and get here. And once they're in Detroit, we've got them. And that was the case then, before the district was being announced, and that's the case now. Now it's even more so uh, because it's energy that's going on in the community. But even though it was a challenge, and this is where it gets tricky, but not really, it is a pleasure to go out and represent the people in this community. So as an individual charged with that, it really wasn't a challenge because people deserve that. There's some hardworking people here, and we have no problem getting up, putting our pants on every single day, going out there and telling our story. That's what it is. I dare you to name somebody in this world that in some form or fashion does not have a connection to Detroit, whether it's through automobiles, manufacturing, industry, immigration, or even through the, the, the arsenal of democracy. I dare you to find somebody in this world that does not have a connection to Detroit. And that explains why it's easy for us to be able to go across the world to talk about the city and to be able to continue the story. Was it overt? Were people at, would people discuss things like, yep. you know, crime yep. or, you know, locations or things like that, the city life, that people would come and just ask you straight up about the city of Detroit and some of the stuff that was going down? Oh, absolutely. They would pull stats. They'd bring it and put it right in our face and, and have conversations with about it in very, public, in very public ways. But again, if that's what you want to present, hey, okay, fine. If that's how you want to come at me, now you've got to sit there and you've got to listen to me do, counter that. Because for everything you give me, I can give you five positives. Okay, maybe two positives. To counteract that. So again, if you're going to challenge me, be ready for Detroit to stand up and challenge you back. 
And once we're finished, we're going to win because that's what we do here. And by all counts, look at all the great events that have happened prior to. You had, you know, one of the biggest events in wrestling. WrestleMania's come down to Ford Field. You had the 2005 Super Bowl at Ford Field. You have Comerica Park. You've had All-Star Games. You've had so many different events that have gone off. I mean, I really haven't heard of any event that has taken place in Detroit. I haven't heard any negative feedback or any negative or anything hugely outside of maybe the weather during some of these events. Yeah, outside okay. of that, you but nothing that. negative has been portrayed We've done great events in the city of Detroit. We can handle it. So let me tell you, my, my, my predecessor, Dave Beachnow, great guy, brought me here. One of his greatest accomplishments was bringing the Final Four to Detroit in a time when Detroit was not revered in the eyes of Americans. But yet, as you're suggesting, he was able to go out there and do that. He was proud to go and do that. And even prouder when that event was awarded to Detroit. So... Even through, I guess, who would some would consider our darkest hours, we were able to accomplish in this community. And through sport, this community in a lot of ways has rallied and will continue to stand up. So it really doesn't matter. It does matter if the teams are winning, but it doesn't matter because it is a rallying point in this community. And it's something that we can all get behind. No matter where you're from, what you believe, you're always going to be a fan. And I don't care there's nowhere else in the country that gets behind your teams like this community. And piggybacking off of that, how great will it be for the Pistons to move downtown to play at Little Caesars Arena? That is phenomenal. Um, I, I never thought I would see the day. And obviously, as a as a growing up a Bulls fan, I was a Bulls fan before Michael Jordan, so let me say that. Uh, so I'm a true Bulls so fan. So legit, yeah, uh, I would legit. say so, yeah. I'm legit. Going back to the days of Sedale 3 <laughs> and um, oh, Roy Hopkins and quite a few others, Reggie Theus. But um, I, I think that adds more visibility to downtown, to, to Detroit as a whole. It, it's a, Again, as I just suggested, it's a rallying point for the community. And now to be able to return the Detroit Pistons to Detroit is phenomenal. And the press that's coming out and the continued storylines, the positive storylines coming out of Detroit now, it's something that the youth in our community can now grasp hold of. They can go out and actually have access to their heroes on the, on the basketball court. They can see the construction going on downtown, and they can really get behind something, have some faith in something. Um, and and it, it's going to be great to see sold-out crowds. Not that they weren't doing that at the Palace. Okay, So let's be clear. It's a wonderful facility, a world-class organization where they are now. But I think by coming downtown, they've really struck a chord with this community and really reconnected. And now it's about the product for the Pistons getting better. It is important, as you noted yourself, that, you know what, if they're not winning, it still it won't draw enough fans to show up. But I think in the first season at Little Caesars Arena, the Pistons and the Wings might get away with the winning, you know, with the product a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I'd actually give them um, two, three years um, for the newness of the facility to kind of wear off. But at the same time, now you're gaining new fans, all right? You were in the suburban community, so you're, you're going to have those fans, all right? Out in, out in the palace. So now you're reaching out and you're regaining fans that are moving downtown and moving into the communities in droves right now. So you're gaining all of that. And at the same time, something that, that I don't have any problem talking about, we were then able to go and place a bid for the NBA All-Star Game for 2020 or 2021. You know, the palace is wonderful, but it did not put us in a, in a great situation to be able to do that. We've tried but to come downtown gives us the first chance since 1959 to have that game back in the city of Detroit. That's awesome. Awesome for the city. And you know what? The Detroit Sports Commission is getting traction, I can tell, as well, with landing these events, big and small. And 
wanted to ask you anything else that you can reveal to us regarding uh, events that you've recently placed bids on or that you're working to get to uh, be brought to the city of Detroit. No problem sharing that with you at all. You know, obviously I just, just acknowledge the fact that yes, we did bid on the NBA all-star game for 2020 or 2021. Yes, we did go to Philadelphia to take a look at the NFL draft and the possibilities of bringing that home to Detroit. We are going to take a look at another Final Four, men's Final Four, and we are going to take a look at a ladies' Final Four. Those bids come out this summer. So those things are in a pipeline. You know, you mentioned earlier the WW, I still call it WWF, <laughs> but the WWE, um, WrestleMania, we are trying to re-engage them in a conversation and bring that event back to Detroit. We are continuing conversations with Horizon League as well as some other leagues. You know, everybody wants to know what's going on with the Big Ten. Can we get the Big Ten basketball, Big Ten football here? We have had conversations with them, and we're continuing to have conversations with them. We are being very aggressive in what events we go after and how we go after them. That being said, you can't win them all, but we will have a seat at the table and go after it. That's what we do, and that's what we're going to continue to do. And it seems like, guys, it's unheard of for a place that hasn't even opened up to land all these events already. I, I, I'm going to tell you, and that's a great point. And Tom Wilson made us aware of this. Um, after that, after it was a great day. We're sitting there April 18th, and we're watching all these events and where they're going come across the screen. And then we're sitting there, and we're like, wow, that's another one in Detroit. Why, wait a minute. That's another one of the big arena events. Wait, that's the third one once, once wrestling rolled across the screen. And it's unprecedented, according to Tom Wilson over with Olympia Entertainment, for an arena that hasn't even been opened to be awarded four. That's, this is including next year's NCAA men's first and second round. Four marquee NCAA championships. That speaks to the history of this community supporting events. It speaks to the local organizing committees here. And it speaks to that facility. That is phenomenal. So you're, you're absolutely right. And to your point, Doc, earlier, that facility does put us in a different era. So we are taking advantage of that. And it's a great opportunity to work with Olympia and the folks over there in the Pistons. And even, and I'm going to tell you, something else that's drawing attention, the renovation they're doing over in Ford Field. Let's not forget about the $150 million they put into that place. Let's not forget about the $280 million that was just put in the Cobo Center. All of these things speak to the reasons why folks want to be here now outside of the, the regular soul of the community the people. So there's a lot of synergy here, a lot of things going on. The reputation right now of Little Caesars Arena is really sky high. It's very <laughs> it impressive how opened. that's the case without it even opening <laughs> yeah. up yet. All the seats aren't even in it. It's not finished. And it already has a reputation. I mean, what else can you say about it? You can't do any better than that, right? You can't do any better than that with an arena that hasn't opened up. That is definitely the case. And wanted to shift gears a little bit. I have to ask you now. You're a Bulls fan, you said. I've got to ask you. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Michael Jordan. Now, why? Drive. Passion. Nothing against LeBron. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's the best player in the world right now. Not the best player ever. Uh, I think what set Michael Jordan apart, not just from LeBron James, but for Kobe, from even from Kobe Bryant, who I would consider number two. Kobe, you say what you want to say about him. He was phenomenal. All right? But he also patterned his game after Michael Jordan. Without Michael Jordan, there's no Kobe Bryant. All right, so the greatest of all time has to be the first, right? The first in a generation, the first in a, in a product line. Nobody has been able to master drive the Michael Jordan had. From the intimidation tactics to the pure ability to go out there and get it done to the knowledge of how to get it done and the studying that this man put into things. So forget the team that I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of the sport first. 
Michael Jordan all day. What's your favorite Bulls memory? <laughs> Probably the bad boys keeping Jordan and the Bulls down that I, period of time, right, in the I, 80s. I'm going to be honest with you. I loved it because I, I, I'm a football player, too. So I love that style of play. Um, and I actually went to Hampton University where Rick Mahorn went to school. So I, I have no problem with that. Now, did I like it at the time? No, but I understood it. That's how you win. That's how I learned how to play. So, and a lot of it was from watching that. Hey, you got to lose some to win some. And that's part of the game. I understood that even back then. But um, I, I think my favorite memory would be, um, you remember when Michael Jordan, uh, right after his father passed, and he won that championship on Father's Day? The emotion that he exuded after that championship? Yeah, that was it for me. That was it. Because to me, that told a story. Um, and, and that was a special moment, not just for him, but for that team. Yeah. And now the bad boys were already referenced here, and I love talking about the bad boys. And you said you took something from their style of play, right? Their their tough ways. They would knock you down. They would knock down yeah. Jordan, get in the head of their opponents too. Yeah. Bill Lambeer getting in the head of Scottie Pippen. Oh yeah, remember that? Absolutely. Where Pippen had the migraine. Absolutely. That was a mental battle as well that the Pistons won, I believe, at that point. They were smart about it. They were going to beat you up physically. They were going to beat you up mentally. They were going to probably go reach inside and try to rip your heart out on your spiritual side. But at the end of the day. That came from an intellectual place. That came from a place of intellect. So I don't care what you say or they were bullies. Yeah, but they were smart enough to know who they could do that to. And, and that provided a great amount of success for them. For, so whoever, for whoever wants to down them and say, well, that's not basketball. Oh, you're soft. You're soft. Now well, I'm now a, it's not. Now they're getting away from that. Well, I mean, there's so many ticky-tack but that's what fouls I'm saying. called. For, you those, know? for those who say that that's not basketball, you're soft. I'm going to say it, You're soft. You probably shouldn't be playing basketball yourself. Really, what you want to do is stand out front and have your dad pass the ball back to you while you're shooting <laughs> jumpers in the, in the, in the garage, um, in, the, in the driveway. You're soft. Pistons did it the right way. Even as a Bulls fan, I can admit that they did it the right way, and I miss it. I would love to have them back. I watched Ben Wallace play in college. Really? When he was at Virginia Union. Uh-huh. And for them to sit there and say, well, he can't score like everybody else. <laughs> See, I almost forgot about the FAA rules there. <laughs> yeah, he was scoring then. Um, he could hit free throws with anybody else then. Um, he was a beast then, and he's a beast now. And he's doing great things down in the community, down in Richmond, Virginia, down there too. So Pistons did it the right way. And like you said, okay, they might have been a little bit too tough or, you know, they were considered bullies, but they had the high basketball IQ. Lambeer, Rodman, who people don't really consider having a high IQ. Well, high basketball IQ, definitely. On the floor, Bulls they got to get it done. got him, didn't they? Had to go and get him to win, right? Yeah. They helped them win. got him. Yeah. They, they did. went out and got James Edwards, too, didn't they? Yep. They went out and got John Sally, too, didn't Former they? Former rivals. They so, did it to get so, better. So I question, is it that they were bullying people or they were smart? I think smarter in how they were playing, too. And they don't get enough credit for it. At least that documentary came out to kind of recognize the greatness of that back-to-back championship squad known as the Bad Boys. Because they deserve it. They deserve all the credit in the world. And it seems like they're forgotten in the 80s because of the Lakers' dominance, the Celtics' dominance. You know? And it hurts the Pistons, I guess, prestige a little bit. But what did they do? They, they went to the... The Eastern Conference Championships, what was it, five years in a row? Well, they could have three-peated, too. I mean, they lost to the Lakers in a tough series, and yeah. then won, back, won back-to-back titles. I mean, but losing to those, to those, to those Lakers, losing to those Celtics Great teams, teams. That, you weren't a slouch to lose to those no, teams. No, no. Listen, I'm a Bulls fan. My hand is up if you can't see. Obviously, you can't see it. You're on, you're on the radio <laughs> waves and the internet waves. But I'm telling you, the Pistons did it the right way. And I miss them and wish they could come back.
I would love to see the Bad Boy Pistons play again. Or, I, or I, at like, least the style. I didn't get the chance to see them. I was born in 1993, so oh, guess what? God. The good Pistons, those Pistons were already done. Did you say 93? 93. Oh. Showing my age, which isn't much or of lack anything. Thereof. Lack thereof. is really the better way to put it. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. Yeah. That's all right. Now, one of the more iconic scenes in NBA history was when the Bulls finally did, you know, dethroned the Detroit Pistons. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the scenes that will be replayed over and over again is the Pistons walking off, basically not giving the respect that was due to the Bulls. In that era, if you remember, you had to have the come up. You had a team that was better than you, and you had to experience some tough times. And it just seemed like the Pistons weren't really ready to pass the torch to the Bulls because of maybe the Jordan rules or the way they perceived the Bulls at that time. As a fan of the Bulls, how did you perceive that whole era in terms of the fact that, hey, the Bull- many people will say, if the Pistons weren't there for the Bulls, the, you know Jordan wouldn't have gained that mental toughness because if you remember, he was a little bit beat up. And then he got into the gym and was like, "I got to put on some size, and You're I got to right. be, I got to man up to get past the Pistons." But unfortunately, the Pistons maybe didn't do the right thing in terms of you know passing the torch to the Bulls. How did you take it as a fan? Did you maybe have a little bit of a negative thought toward the Pistons, or did you say, "Look, we, we, you know, you, you, you guys remember your challenges facing the Celtics and the Lakers, and you got give, you were given that respect. Why not give it to the Bulls?" Yes and no. I mean, obviously at that time, uh, Vito was sitting there joking him about, "Hey, you were born in '93, you know." You're talking, that was 1991 when that happened? Yeah, yeah. I was um, 15. So kind of an immature mind looking at it. Um, Yeah, I'm looking at it like, man, that's messed up. Um, But at the same time, I just remember my coach saying, man, and it still resonates in my mind, are you a good loser? What what do you want me to do? You want me to look you in your face and smile at you and walk off the court? That's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, the game's over. I still want to get at you. You want to go out back? We can handle it out back. Are you a good loser? Um, I'm all about showing respect. Could it have been handled differently? Sure, it could have been handled a little bit differently. But you know what? I'm not in those players' shoes. I wasn't on that court. So it's hard for me to give an opinion for something I wasn't a part of. So I, I, it, it's hard for me to answer that question because it wasn't me. And it's been said, too, that Jordan disrespected the Pistons as champions before that. And then there's a talk. Who actually directed that walkout? Was it Lambeer? Was it Isaiah? And that was a reason expressed loudly for why Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the Dream Team. He was left off the Dream Team because the players didn't like him that much. Well, I I tell you what. You know, you heard the stories in Chicago. Obviously, uh, Isaiah is from Chicago, and it was his city. Mm -hmm. Um, You hear the stories about how Michael Jordan came in and took the city from him. Um, Isaiah is still highly revered in the city of Chicago, especially out on the west side where he's from. Regardless of what happened— and and again, it's, I'm not in their shoes. I, I don't think for them. I can't speak for them, for the players involved. What happened or who caused it to happen, I don't think really matters at this point. I think that what you had was the conclusion of a, of a wonderful reign by the Detroit Pistons. And it's what you said earlier, Doc. Without the Pistons being the Pistons, even Michael Jordan has said it, Michael Jordan would not have been Michael Jordan, which meant that those Bulls would not have been those bulls, um, which begat the brought about the the New York Knicks too at the time, and even Houston, it's in their style of playing on and on. Um, I, I think instead of sitting back and trying to figure out who did what, well, and I can appreciate your question, Vito, but I think we need to sit back and give homage to two franchises that were magnificent that we miss today. And today's style of basketball could still win championships, and even with LeBron. And I think we need to sit back and give them credit for what they did. And to end this NBA discussion, and I love talking hoops here and talking about the Bad Boy Pistons and how they would translate. You kind of already uh, 
you know, started talking about it yourself. Now, specifically the Bad Boy Pistons, how do you think they would translate to today's game where you can't make all these, you know, hard physical plays as they were doing back then? And then against LeBron James, what, what do you think? How would they fare you think against LeBron? Because I always think well, about that. Well, first of all, LeBron would throw himself off the court completely. He'd go from one foul line all the way off the court, just just a flop. LeBron, I like you too, so don't worry. I'm not too much, <laughs> but the flopping's got to stop. You're, you're yes. great in your own right. Um, I, I, I think that the NBA has outlawed that style of play, so it would be difficult. That being said, the Pistons were such a great team in my mind that they could still compete. They would just change their style, and that was the beauty, I thought, in what they did. They did what they had to do against the teams that they had to play every day. Now, the question is, could they do that now? I would really have loved to see them play against a team that won in, what was it, 2004? The, the, the yeah, Pistons those team. Pistons, going to work I, Pistons. I yeah. would love to have seen those two uh, versions of the franchise yeah. play each other. That would have been special. That would have been special with the Ben Wallaces and the, even Rasheed Wallaces and, and the Tayshaun Princes of the world and Chauncey. Who could forget Chauncey on the team? That would have been a great, great series. We'll never see it, though. Um, and, and, you know, if you're going to go there, I would love to have seen um, the big O and, and Kareem, Lou Alcindor back then play. I would love to have seen Jerry West and and uh, Will Chamberlain play against these teams now. And even you take a look back at, I don't want to say Bob Cousy, but you're looking at Bill Russell and those teams. You know, it's very easy to sit here and talk about players now. There are players who played this game long before we even knew. Hey, you know, you, again, we tease you about 1993. Come on, man, I'm 76. You know how many <laughs> basketball players played before then? I would love to have seen Earl Lloyd play uh, for the Syracuse uh, Nationals way back. Um, to see the big O uh, playing for the University of Cincinnati in college. And come on, man. And it, Russell Westbrook is doing it. He did a wonderful job this year. Come on, let's get a man credit. But triple, How many triple doubles did he have this year? Ooh. Was it 40-plus? Broke the single-season triple doubles record. Oh, okay. But how many years did Oscar Robinson yeah, average I, a triple-double? Not one, multiple. So I love what, Wessel, what Russell Westbrook is doing in the NBA right now. He's just running all over everybody, dunking on you if you look at him the wrong way, and the passion that he plays with. It, you know. But if you take a look at what Oscar Robinson did for many years, what was it three years in a row that he had, he averaged a triple-double? Wow. I would love to see that now. would love to see it now. And people make the argument, well, in what era? What kind of competition? Yeah, you know, people like to make those arguments. But I think what your point is, too, is appreciate everybody. them for what they were. Yeah, Respect their craft and what they did, what they accomplished on the floor when they did it. No matter what decade or era of basketball it was, appreciate what they did. There's no LeBron without Magic. There's no Magic without Big O. Let's remember that. Even Shaq. There's no Shaq without Will Chamberlain. There, there are a lot of players, and these players I'm naming now are great in their own right. And it's not that they came from other people. They needed other people to exist. Shaq's one of the best of all time. So is Magic Johnson. But to sit there and be able to pattern your game off of somebody, to be able to turn on the, the, the as my, my mother used to call it, the idiot box, the, the TV, uh, the boob tube, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, and be able to see these, these players play is phenomenal. I mean, I, even I sat back and watched those Pistons teams and emulated some of the things that Bill Lambeer was doing on the court, even as a Bulls fan. Um, I even watched Shaq and emulated some of those things. I'm a big guy. So I was like, well, I don't need to be finesse. I can knock you down and I can intimidate you without even having to say anything to you. I could put my elbows through the rim and dunk the basketball on your head and hit you in the head so hard with it. You don't want to get in the way anymore. Put my knees in your throat. You know, the, these are some of the things I learned from watching some of these players play. 
Come on, man. 100 points in a game? Whether it happened or not, which some people do question. They do debate that, yep. You were close enough to be in the conversation. <laughs> and that's when it comes to, I think when you have to bring up that, it doesn't matter when it happened. Nah. Against two, scoring 100 points is scoring 100 well, points. Well, Wilt, Wilt was the only 7-foot whatever, 300-pound guy in the league at that time. And he was going against Bill Russell. Bill Russell was only 6'9 and 240 pounds. He still had to run up and down the court and do it. Right? It still happened. It still takes a lot to get it done. Well, Vito, let's remember that Wilt not only scored 50 points a game that year, but also averaged 20-plus rebounds. So it's not they weren't all offensive rebounds. So guess what? And he also led the league that year in field goal percentage. So they weren't offensive rebounds. He wasn't backing up and going to get his own shots. He's running the floor. All right, so we have to ask because it's the worlds are going to collide. Two teams so far started the NBA playoffs currently undefeated. You got the Cavs and you got the Warriors. If they match up, which I think it, the basketball world needs because this entire season has been really boring because everybody kind of thinks it's going to be Cavs-Warriors, third go-around. If they match up, who you got? East. Really? You don't think Kevin Durant and his need and drive for a championship going to the Warriors is going to propel them to get back, having uh, to avenge the loss last year as to the coming East. Ba- the East all day. Okay. Simple as that. I like that. East Just to the all point day. of the East. Yeah. You know, See, the I, Warriors are better tested. They have four great players. The Cavs have two and a half. You count Kevin Love. Maybe, I mean, three total with Kevin Love. I don't know what you consider him. He's not a superstar, in my opinion. Kyrie and LeBron are, and they're going to walk right through the East as they're already doing. The West, you have to do. You have to beat the Spurs or Rockets in the next round for the Warriors, well, which will be tough at least. So they will be tested, Vito, and maybe that helps. You still got to go play the game. The East isn't over. Uh-huh. It's, it's not. not no, you can't guarantee it. Um, even though it's close to that, yeah, it's, it's, close. it's close to a guarantee. But, but, it's, but it's not. They still have to go one more series. Yep. All right. They still have to go out there and score one more point than the other team for at least four games. And we play the game because anything can happen, right? Uh, I I I am a fan of the East. And basketball played in the East, which is why you're hearing my raw emotions, my raw feelings about the Pistons. Um, I love watching Golden State play. I do. Um, I, I think that they're beautiful to watch on the court. Push the ball down the court, the, the jump shots, the the, in, the inside presence um, that KD can produce for them and that Draymond Green can produce for them. However, I also like the beauty and the going-to-work style of play that the Cavaliers play. There's also something about the city of Cleveland that I appreciate, and it's and its um, similarities to Detroit, um, and it's because of that why I'm going for the East. You know, even coming from Chicago, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, these are all cities I will always be fans of um, until they're playing my specific team. I'll always pull for those teams because they're always considered the underdogs. Now, before we wrap up our discussion, if the average fan wants to get to know what's going on with the Detroit Sports Commission, where they can get some information, where they can follow you guys or, or you particularly. DetroitSports.org. You can find all of us there. You find all of our, our digital platforms, our social media platforms on that. Again, that's uh, DetroitSports.org. And you know what? We have to respect the greats. We talked about that and the NBA and appreciate what they have done, what they have accomplished, and what their jobs are. You know what they do, and I think we have to appreciate what you do as well, Chris, for the Detroit that. Sports Commission. Thank you, and thank you very much. And make sure to check out the Prep Kickoff Classic. You have to August twenty fourth through the twenty sixth at Wayne State University. Now, I don't care if you're a football fan, a professional football fan. If you want to see good ball, you're at Wayne State. I don't care what level you like. If you like ball, you're at Wayne State. That's premier competition Amen. all throughout the state of Michigan. No question, the country, the country as well. Great, great stuff, and great stuff from you. Thank you very much for all your time, Chris, as well. Thank you, guys.
And that was Mr. Chris Smith of the Detroit Sports Commission, the director of the DSC. And joining us in just a quick minute is Tyler Brett. He's got an interesting story. I'm a state guy. And if you heard the news over the week about what he did on Twitter, oh my goodness. The doc has to challenge Tyler respectfully. Man, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Tyler Brecht. Up next on Two Bad Hombres. Vito, I want to tell you about our host site, Podomatic. Since 2013, we've utilized our host site, Podomatic, to upload all our audio content to get out to the internet. And the reason why we utilize Podomatic is their user-friendly platform and the ease in which we can upload our audio and get it out there to the masses. If you look earlier this week, we had a great debut of several podcasts that we released. And the reason why we're able to do that is our working relationship with Podomatic. If you're starting up a brand new podcast and you're looking for a host site, check out Podomatic.com. And the reason why they've been so successful and been around for over a decade is that it's a user-friendly platform. It makes it very easy and you don't have to be technically savvy in order to get your audio uploaded to the internet. Check out Podomatic.com. It's been the exclusive host site of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network since September of 2013. Vito has uploaded podcasts. Jerry, Adam, everybody involved with the network has uploaded podcasts because it's that easy. It doesn't take that much work. And so if you're looking for a host site, Doc recommends Podomatic.com. If we go down, then we go down together. They'll say you could do anything. They'll say that I was clever. Welcome back to Two Bad Hombres on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. Now, Vito, I was sitting, you know, at the office looking at Twitter, and all of a sudden, as you know, I like to scroll, see the news, check out what's going on in the sporting community. All of a sudden, I came across this M Live headline, and this individual, a Spartan, an individual who recently graduated, walked across the stage, individual named Tyler Brecht, and he's on the line right now, and he's listening. He is a Michigan fan. And at the graduation, he unveiled, Superman-style, a shirt. Now, he's graduating in green, and he unveils a shirt, mm-hmm. and it says, Hail, with the Block M. Tyler Breck joins us to tell a story. Tyler, well, you know we're going to have a conversation, man. Welcome to the Detroit Sports Podcast. Thank you. How did this all come about? And tell everybody, you know, how this story kind of took on a life of its own. Sure. So before me and my friends all left for college, uh, we kind of had get together in my basement and we were all going to different colleges and they all knew I was a Michigan fan going to Michigan state. So, uh, they had all told me that, Hey, there's no way that in four years you're going to be a Michigan fan. And so I told them, I said, uh, you guys wait when I walk across that stage and get done and get my diploma, I'm going to reveal my Michigan garb underneath. And so when I, after I got done with graduation, uh, had some family take, pictures of me and then I just put it on Twitter just to kind of show my friends because they had graduation at the same time hey look at I did it so it was more just to get back at them I had no idea I'd get this crazy Tyler Vito Churko here from the Detroit Sports Podcast Network here with Tyler Brecht on uh, Too Bad Hombres Tyler what gave you the courage by the way to pull off that stunt though <laughs> uh, it didn't take too much I mean I had to kind of counterweight the uh, that green gown that I was wearing. So all my family's Michigan fans. So my cousin actually was wearing a little maize and blue in the stands for me uh, for graduation. So I wasn't, I wasn't the only one. There's actually, there's a lot of Michigan fans that go to Michigan state and I'm sure there's Michigan state fans that go to Michigan. How much positive feedback have you gotten since this, you know, kind of uh, uh, gained some traction uh, via social media? 
I've gotten a lot of, you know, hey, go blue, how you congrats, and probably I've probably gotten more uh, hate mail than I have good things, but it's all in good fun. <laughs> I guess it was coming when you pull off that stunt uh, when graduating from Michigan State. So uh, I guess it was bound to happen. Now, Doc, my co-host here, uh, John Macron, is a Michigan State fan. So uh, he probably has some uh, interesting questions for you as well here. Doc, I'll let you take it away. Now, I'm curious about the hate mail. What are uh, Obviously, are you getting it from both sides? Because, you know, are you getting it from Michigan fans who say, oh, you, you weren't uh, good enough to get into Michigan? Or are you getting it from Spartan fans who are saying, hey, you're not a loyal guy? Uh, both. I've gotten uh, from some from Michigan fans saying that uh, I was a Michigan State fan, and now that Michigan's good again, I'm a Michigan fan, but they don't know. You know, my whole story, I've been a Michigan fan since I grew up because my parents had to... Uh, Live basically in Ann Arbor at the hospital for many months because my older brother was born with some birth defects, mm-hmm. and so he he was basically there until he passed away. So that's why I am a Michigan fan and stay true to blue. And then Michigan State fans has been a little bit on the harsher side about burning my degree and hoping I don't get a job and stuff. But it's it's all right. I take it with a grain of salt. And move on. So now going forward, what do you consider yourself as? Let's say now coming up in October, the big game, are you going to be a Michigan supporter now that you're a state grad? Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it, huh? Yeah, I, I've never rooted against Michigan State, but I can't say that I've ever rooted for them either. So I've always been pretty indifferent about this school. Well, in that big rivalry game uh, between Michigan and Michigan State, that must have always been tough to show off your true colors. I mean, oh yeah. If you were, especially if you were in the student section too of Michigan State, and you know at Spartan Stadium during one of the big games against Michigan. Yeah, well, I actually I worked two jobs when I was in college, so I always had to work weekends, so I never could get season tickets or anything. But I did go to Michigan uh, Michigan State basketball game uh, once, and it was definitely hard listening to all the Michigan State fans cheer, and here I am sitting. There was my maize and blue on, but wow, that that must have been tough uh, sitting in the student section like that and taking some booze, probably some uh, razzing a little bit here and there from oh, yeah, uh, the Michigan State faithful. All my uh, Michigan State fans knew I was a Michigan fan, and you know they we have good fun picking on each other, but it's never been. Well, I give you too props. Hateful things. I give you props too for your loyalty. I'll say that much because you know it's like a lost art nowadays. Nobody is loyal, so you being loyal to a fault, I would say that's how I would describe it, is a very good thing. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Tyler, um, tell us a little bit about your college experience over there at Michigan State, one of the finest institutions in the state of Michigan. I know you had yourself a good time, too, though. Tell me you at least indulged in some of the positives at the university as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I have nothing bad to say about Michigan State University. You know, I lived on campus for three of my four years, two of being at the uh, beef farm there, which is why I went to Michigan State was to get an animal science degree. And I interacted with all my friends on weekends and went downtown Grand River plenty of times and had a lot of fun. So definitely don't have anything bad to say about the university. Just grew up a Michigan fan and had to stay true to my colors. All right. So you know we got to talk about it. Jim Harbaugh brought over to the University of Michigan to save the uh, football team. And uh, last couple mm-hmm. years, there's been big expectations. Michigan's gotten a, a ton of wins, but they've only finished third place now in back-to-back seasons, and many consider them significantly behind Ohio State. Do you still have a lot of faith that Jim Harbaugh can uh, bring the big game win? Obviously, he can beat the crumb bums. He beat Michigan State in a down year. But do you think he can take the next step and elevate the mm-hmm. Michigan football team to the next step? Because I- uh, versus the big teams... Hasn't yet delivered. I do. I think, uh, I don't know how this year ago, I went to the spring game and their 
very young, but I think their defense is actually faster than what it was last year, which is crazy to say as many good players they had. Um, but there's a lot of good things to be excited about and with Harbaugh's recruiting classes that he's had in the last few years. And I think they're a year or two away, but I definitely expect them to be in the playoffs in the next year or two. Well, and Tyler, Harbaugh met the Pope, so I mean, they only can be in store for good things coming into this upcoming season, right? Yeah, I would hope. Yeah, based on that, you would think uh, there's some good stuff coming, uh, and coming soon for the U of M football program. Doc might not like that, uh, but he's got to just deal with it. Now, Tyler, what's the summer going to hold for you uh, after graduation, things like that? What's gonna, what are you going to be up to? Uh, well, I start working in uh, Lansing, actually, which is ironic, but uh, I start working there for uh, a company that's involved with animal science, which is right down my alley with my degree. So looking forward to joining the real world, I guess. Okay, look. Now, of course, you're going to take a little bit of grief from both sides, but I do appreciate you are a stand-up guy for coming on here and telling us, you know, telling our fans and telling the Detroit Sports Podcast Network supporters and followers about this story. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, did you say that you were kind of put up to taking the photo and advertising it to the entire world by your friends just to see that you would be able to do it? Uh, uh, well, I was more so advertising just to my friends. I think I only have like 300 followers and I only get like, two or three likes or something with all my tweets. So when I was posting, I expect, you know, them to like it and stuff. And that would be that. And then uh, I checked my phone one night and saw what had happened. I was like, oh, my goodness. I had no expectations of it going this crazy. Uh, I didn't tag, you know, uh, Michigan Athletics or anything in the tweets. I like to say uh, under the shadows, I guess you could say, about uh, everything on social media. So I definitely did not expect it to be this viral. Well, I appreciate you coming on. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler underscore B-R-E-C-H-T. He's a stand-up dude. Doesn't seem to be like one of those typical Michigan guys, a little too arrogant. Seems <laughs> like he just did this kind of as a way to, you know, show some friends that, you know, Vito, when your friends kind of challenge you and you want to show them, look, I can do it. It is unique. A guy that went to Michigan State that is a Michigan supporter, but you do hear it. I would just say next time, keep it in the closet, man. Just be a Michigan guy. You're rooting for the wrong team. It's okay. Just, uh, you know, hide your fandom because it's not important. Michigan State is the university. And uh, when it comes to alumni stuff, just stay out of the Michigan State tent because you're not welcome. And Tyler, I say the opposite. I say show your true colors, Tyler. Okay, always show your true colors. So do the opposite of what Doc just said to you. (laughs) <laughs> Alrighty. Hey, if you're in the Metro Detroit area, Sterling Heights, Detroit area, shoot me a message, man. We'll love to have, love to meet you in person too, because it's a fun thing. You do have chutzpah, and we do like that as a podcast network. But unfortunately, you'll sit on the other side of the table because you'll be getting the stink eye from the dock. <laughs> Alrighty. Nice to meet you, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Good luck to yeah, you. All nice right. Meeting you guys. Thank you. Talk soon. Thank you, Tyler. Yep. Go blue. You see that, Vito? A lot of people in this world do have a little bit of balls to try something like that. I am a little bit concerned, though, that he didn't think that something like that would get some attention because of the fact that it's at a graduation. It's at a ceremony. You know, Tyler, I give him credit for coming on here, taking a little bit of ribbing from the doc, all in good natured. I wish Tyler the best, but uh, but I was serious. You know, uh, in, in terms of alumni stuff, dude ain't welcome. He's been excommunicated from Spartan Nation for trying that. That is a punishable offense for wearing a Hail M shirt underneath your graduation garb. True definition of a bad hombre. But I enjoy talking to him. Could you say, too, that he was valiant? Throwing Ooh. in a plug for valiant? Be yeah. valiant. Be iconic. Come on. I mean, I think he was. And being bold is part of that. He was being bold there. Being courageous and showing off his true colors. And I say, why not? 
Why not always, Doc? Great podcast, Vito. I enjoyed the conversation. Again, Vito, tell everybody where they can get great information on the Detroit Sports Commission. So their website is DetroitSports.org, and their Twitter handle is at D-E-T Sports. So make sure you give them a follow to find out about all the events uh, that they end up landing for the city of Detroit. And thank you to Chris Smith, uh, as well as Tyler Brecht, for all their great stuff, all their great contributions on this very episode of Too Bad Hombres. It's been a blast, and we'll talk to you again next week and for another fine edition of the podcast. Adios. I was trying to get it out of here. I want them dead presidents. <laughs>